all you have. We would be honored if you would join us. What's happening, Far Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going well on your side of the galaxy. Nothing new going on out here on the Outer Rim. As always, I'm plotting to take over the galaxy, but other than that, not much new on the home front. Okay, I got a couple announcements before we get to the news. First, Lightsaber Radio is doing another watch party. We're going to be watching Attack of the Clones. This will be happening sometime next month, probably on a Sunday, because more people have Sunday off than any other day. I will update you on the exact date when we decide what date that will be. We had a lot of fellow fans join us last time and it was just a lot of fun. So we're going to be doing another one and we hope you can join us. Then the second thing I wanted to talk about was the email I asked everyone to send in last week. Telling us your favorite part of the show. We had about 400,000 emails sent in, which is awesome. So keep them coming. But we are asking that you keep them shorter. We are trying to read as many as we can. And when they are super long, it takes up too much time. So keep them short and to the point. What is your favorite part of the show? And yes, they will count for the giveaway at the end of this season. One more thing before we move on to news. Next season, we'll be going back to the Old Republic era. We will be doing The Old Republic's Deceived by Paul S. Kent. It took place a few hundred years after Revan. This is not a continuation of Revan. It doesn't even have Revan in the book. It's just the next book within the timeline of The Old Republic. So we thought that that would be a good place to continue. Most of the Old Republic books are standalone books, so there is no rightful place for them. We are just going off of the timeline, and Jason has jumped on board to read that book. So this should be a great experience. But how we do it will be dictated by you, the listeners. So shoot us those emails. We really need them. Okay, what do we got for news this week? The Mandalorian Season 3 trailer might have set up Boba Fett's return. Because Star Wars fans have been wondering what the iconic bounty hunter has been up to. The last time we saw Morrison as Fett was in the book of Boba Fett. And now the new trailer for Mando Season 3 has given us a fresh glimpse of Grogu kicking butt with the Force, a possible Sabine sighting, and a trip to Coruscant. However, there is a curious scene that might have gone unnoticed, but it could hint at Fett's return. Continuing to trend from past seasons, Mando will officially return to Tatooine in Season 3, as revealed by a brief scene in the most recent trailer. The sequence shows Mando returning to the sandy planet as evidence of Din's N1 starfighter taking off from Pelimoto's workshop. The last time viewers were there, another character had taken up a local position. Boba Fett had took over. So did the new trailer actually set up the return for Mr. Morrison as Boba Fett has been in both previous seasons of The Mandalorian? We can assume that the return to Tatooine indicates a reappearance. Plus, Mr. Morrison has also been shown to be willing to cross over into other shows as demonstrated by a small cameo in Obi-Wan Kenobi. The Book of Boba Fett also left us a number of plot threads, and with The Mandalorian Season 2 finally tying up loose ends for Boba Fett, it may be possible that the third season will pay Fett back. The most exciting option would be to continue Cad Bane's story, as The Book of Boba Fett left fans not knowing when it came to the iconic bounty hunter. Lucasfilms could seize the opportunity to reveal this to audiences, that the Clone Wars bounty hunter isn't as dead as they thought. Maybe this time around, he could even go up against Mando himself before hopefully escaping with his life, so he can show up in the future. However, the big post-credit scene for the Book of Boba Fett teased that Cobb Vanth isn't dead either. Instead of him laying in the sandy street, the sheriff has been taking a healing bath in a bacta tank, 
Although many feel like the moment wasn't quite deserving of the end of a season tease, it is still a major plot point that needs to be revisited. Seeing as the character made a live-action debut in The Mandalorian, Season 3 could easily set up Cobb's next moves. But will his future take him on more adventures with Din or keep him on Tatooine with Boba? Maybe he starts his own journey with a new lease on life. As it stands now, there hasn't really been any word on the second season of Book of Boba Fett. However, there's still plenty to be excited about when it comes to this character. What stories could they tell? Perhaps the appearance in Mando Season 3 could plant seed for Crimson Dawn, the criminal organization as seen in Solo. Some have been waiting to see their return. I thought that the Book of Boba Fett's first season was going to introduce, along with Emily Clark's Kira, sadly those expectations went unsatisfied. Another possibility for Boba Fett's return could actually be for more than just one episode. They made it clear in the latest trailer that he intended to go to Mandalore. So when Mando sends out his invitations, Boba Fett is likely one of the first people he thinks of. However, Fett could just as easily deny the invitation and remain on Tatooine where he has water prices to negotiate. Fans have been eagerly awaiting the return of Boba Fett, and The Mandalorian Season 3 appears to be the perfect opportunity to do so. It is essential to give audiences a glimpse of iconic characters' futures, so hopefully Lucasfilms is looking to address that soon. But there is another major character who could also take up some time in Season 3, Ahsoka. Rumors suggest that the upcoming series will be incredibly important to the Star Wars franchise and this was first hinted at with Rosario Dawson's debut as Ahsoka. In an ideal world, both Boba Fett and Ahsoka would be given their chance to shine. Unfortunately, this is not a perfect world, but perhaps Lucasfilms is ready to surprise us. The Mandalorian premieres on March 1st on Disney+, and no matter who we see, I'm super excited for this season. Okay, now let's get back to Brotherhood, because last week we heard Kitar and Rogue arguing about how she missed a shot and allowed Obi-Wan to escape. Now they are on the hunt to capture him. So let's see what's going to happen next. Obi-Wan Kenobi. The Supers kept pace with Obi-Wan as he leapt from rooftop to rooftop, using the Force to help steady himself on harsh angles or slippery materials. Blaster bolts zoomed by him, the remotes failing to target with much accuracy, though Obi-Wan's ignited lightsaber made the occasional reflection. All of this bought time for options. A stalling technique, rather than pure escape. His ship had been confiscated, though jetting off would send the wrong message right now anyway. The appearance of guilt when he wanted discussion. He had no means of communication with Anakin, and while he often disagreed with his former Padawan, sometimes the mere act of debate and counter-arguments produced a solution and running indefinitely wouldn't help anyone. As he moved, he scanned the area and considered his priorities. The most important thing remained, getting an audience with the Trade Federation. And though they already leaned toward not believing him, it marked another chance to plead for de-escalation. And given that Neimordian culture made trials public, Recordings of his arguments would likely make it out across the galaxy, broadcasting a message to slow down and think, rather than play into any hands that wanted rapid conflict. Barring any of that, he still needed to find a way to escape. The last time he'd been in a similar situation, captured, isolated, and with few options, the best idea hadn't come from himself or Anakin. 
Instead, Padme demonstrated a level of forward thinking that bested the Jedi, using a hairpin to quickly undo her shackles while Master and Apprentice bickered. She'd likely been thinking about how to escape from the moment the Geonosian guards hauled them into the arena and the beasts emerged from their gates. That provided all the time needed to execute her plan. Obi-Wan didn't have a lockpick, but he did have a lightsaber, one that guards would take away the moment they caught him. That made safeguarding a key, and given that he was being chased, protecting it became the current objective. He turned a corner as shouts from below echoed upward. The pulsing hum of hover platforms grew louder and louder, each with a number of guards on it. The Seekers elevated, likely to give the guards better line of sight, and Obi-Wan considered the spaces around him. Several buildings reached skyward, and above those hung another block of the bridge city, structures built downward in an arch that aided in his escape. Overpasses connected some of these, enabling foot traffic in all directions. Directly below one of those, in fact, sat the open courtyard for public trials. And above that, an elaborate tower, something that appeared too thin to actually offer any public functionality. Still, it looked ornate, curves and reflective glass embedded into an architectural marvel. An idea emerged in Obi-Wan's mind as he recalled a wall where he'd found data chips hidden by a Jedi long ago on the planet Limara. He turned, changing the angle of his sprint to move toward the tower. More voices shouted, calls for guards to close in on him from all angles. Obi-Wan tapped into the currents of the Force feeling the burst of energy rippling through his body as it elevated him halfway up the tower, well out of the sight lines of the approaching guards. With several seconds of cover, he found a small cutout beneath a window ledge, something that seems more decorative than functional. His hand and footholds maintained, he grabbed his lightsaber from his belt, then flipped it upside down and jammed it against the wall. The blade activated, now an elongated energy knife digging directly into the side of the structure. And as he jostled the hilt to clear a radius, melted ore oozed out. The weapon went quiet, its blade retracting without ever being visible after carving a space just deep enough to keep a small object secure from prying eyes. Like a lightsaber hilt. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. The weapon lodged and hidden, Obi-Wan once again launched himself with the Force, propelling forward as if the tower had merely been a tool for his escape rather than a hiding place for his lightsaber. He landed on an adjacent parapet, civilian observers ducking in fear at his appearance. He swerved around them, 
then resumed running, though this time he purposefully let his speed dip. A floating platform of guards approached in the distance, along with two behind him. He hesitated, more for appearance than anything else. His search for places to turn simply away to burn off the seconds until capture. Two seekers emerged, elevating before jetting forward, and though Obi-Wan no longer had his lightsaber to deflect blaster fire, he held up both hands and reached through the force to grip the machines and smash them into each other. Their crumpled chassis dropped, a trail of spark and smoke left in their wake. The action provided good cover for his true intentions, a show of defense that masked the fact that he intended to be captured. Behind him, boots slammed on the stone path, followed by several shouts, all melting together into a verbal mix of aggression. Cover me! Rug yelled, and Obi-Wan turned to see her sprinting toward him, a pistol drawn out while her usual rifle sat across her back. A line of guards formed behind her, with rifles aimed directly at Obi-Wan. On the other side, the farther guards landed and mirrored the formation. Obi-Wan put his hands up, then glanced upward at the tower. A quick flick of the force to feel that his lightsaber remained secure in its spot. Don't move, Jedi! Rug yelled, and though her volume increased, her voice carried a level tone. She slowed her approach, pistol trained on him as she got closer. Hands behind your back, she said, her voice low enough that he barely heard it over the altitude's winds and the humming repulsors of the floating guard platforms. I appreciate what you did in the hallway, Obi-Wan said without resistance. Rug holstered the pistol and pulled out a pair of energy shackles. She moved without speaking, first binding Obi-Wan's left hand, then the right. Why didn't you tell me about the data pad? I needed to know whether it was authentic or not. The binders clicked into place, a pressure now gripping Obi-Wan's wrists. If you wanted me to trust you, she said, you should have been honest with me. A low hum vibrated from the shackles, the frequency of their energy subtle enough that perhaps only he picked up on it. You're right. I apologize for that. No, laser sword, Rug said, lowering her voice even further as the guards approached. I'm improvising. Listen. Obi-Wan relaxed, shifting into a defeated posture, clear enough for others to see. Yes, the datapad points to the Republic, but we don't know why yet. Presenting it as fact without context could escalate things beyond repair. I need a chance. They sound like they've made up their minds. A chance is not a guarantee, Obi-Wan said over his shoulder. Nothing is absolute except for not taking that chance. Well then, Rook patted him on the back. I'll do my best to help. You! Kedar called, the single word practically a taunt. And though every rifle from the armed guards pointed at him, the young Neymordian clearly moved at a step from the group. A tension rippled through Obi-Wan's body, and he reached out, dipping into the currents of the Force to sense whether Kitar was close to pulling the trigger. 
Did you really think your tricks could help you escape? Stand down, Kitar. He is under arrest. I have apprehended him. No. Kitar moved forward, stepping into Obi-Wan's peripheral vision. But Rug moved to block him, her shoulders now nearly touching his. He is a prisoner. He will stand trial in the royal court of Cato Nemoidia. Your job here is done. She is correct, Ventress said, appearing from behind the row of guards. She pulled back her hood, though her cloak remained wrapped around her as she walked forward. The Jedi will submit. It is what they do. But I do have one question for you. Ventress extended a pale finger at Rug. Where is his lightsaber? To this point, Obi-Wan had placed his faith in Rug, starting with their initial encounter on the surface of Cato Nemordia and continuing all the way to her intentionally ill-timed shot in the hallway. Now he waited for something more subtle than anything involving blaster fire. What would Rug say about his weapon? Damaged, possibly destroyed. If you check the surrounding grounds, you will likely find its remains, Obi-Wan said, giving Rug a lead to work with. Your Seekers shot it out of my hand. Damaged, possibly destroyed. What kind of Jedi are you if mere remotes can destroy your weapon? I thought you were a Jedi Master. Being chased by guards and seekers at high altitude is not part of standard Jedi training. Ventress clicked her tongue as she began pacing around him. Quite convenient, if you think about it. I can confirm. Rug said, moving to step closer to Ventress. I saw it happen. You can check the hollow security recording. Though it happened up there. She gestured to the tall adjacent tower. I'm not sure the cams have the angle. Are you certain that is what you saw? And you are not under the influence of a Jedi mind trick? Only the strong can resist that. The two nearly collided in front of Obi-Wan, Ventress staring Rug down. But Rug's orange-red eyes never blinked, never lost focus, in a way that shouldn't have surprised him. Someone with possibly decades of commando experience likely couldn't be intimidated. Especially someone with a strong moral compass. I'm certain, Rug said, taking a step forward until she was nearly face-to-face -face with Ventress. Check the security recording. They stood, only the wind swirling between them as everyone held their positions, the guards, Kitar, and Obi-Wan. He watched, the only movement between the two women coming from the rhythm of their breathing. Ventress looked Rug up and down, then eyed Obi-Wan without turning. As a representative of the Confederacy of Independent Systems, do you have a problem with what I've done? Rug finally asked. I trust your judgment, Ventress said slowly. 
She took several steps back, arms out, then walked up to Obi-Wan, just as guard rifles nudged him to move. She leaned in close and spoke directly in his ear. I was pleased to see your work up close, Master Kenobi. She reached up and tousled the long locks of hair dangling over his neck. Count Dooku was right. You're quite impressive. Okay, so Obi-Wan was on the run from the Nymordian guards, leaping from rooftop to rooftop, expertly deflecting blaster bolts away. He knew that they would broadcast his trial, so he had to come up with a plan to use to his advantage and prevent the conflict from escalating. He decides to allow himself to be captured and relies on his words to be a saving grace. However, if he is going to escape down the road, he would need his lightsaber to do it. So Obi-Wan jumps up onto a tower and hit his lightsaber for when the time came. Then he leaves the guards from where his lightsaber was stashed and finally gave himself up. Rug approaches him, binding his wrists with restraints. He thanks her for not shooting him in the hallway, and she gives him a knowingly smile, as if she missed him on purpose. I told you she missed him on purpose. She then questions him about the data pad, asking why he didn't tell her about it. He explained that he needed to make sure that it was authentic. At that moment, Kitar stepped out from the crowd, blaster drawn and ready to take out Kenobi. Rook moved to block Kitar's shot, firmly stating that he was a prisoner and would stand trial. But Kitar didn't look like he was going to stand down. But when Ventress confirms Rook's statement, the tension eased. They then questioned him about his lightsaber, and Rook lies about his whereabouts. She and Ventress went back and forth a bit, until Ventress finally told Kenobi that she was impressed with his skills. I had been hoping to see Ventress come out as a Sith and witness the first time she and Obi-Wan battled. That would have been incredible, but it was not to be, and that's where this part came to an end. So let's get to the quote of this week, and it comes to us from Robert Two. He said, the struggle you're in today is developing the strength you need for tomorrow. The truth of life is that everyone experiences hardship, and these experiences shape and develop our character. The struggles we go through are important to our development. This creates our inner strength as individuals. It is only through struggle that we can truly understand our capabilities and realize that no matter how hard things are today, we can stand tall upon reaching tomorrow. It is a lesson that can be applied to both our academic and personal lives in order to help us reach our goals and gain resilience over difficult times. One of the most critical practices of developing the strength within yourself is pushing to make it through whatever problem life has thrown at you. Pushing through despite the difficulties will help you trust your decisions and build confidence in any situation. Whether it is facing a difficult course load or dealing with anxiety and depression, understanding that everything is manageable and it gives you the strength to fight against the odds. No matter how tough your struggle becomes, it is important to remember that you can believe in yourself and self-preservation are necessary to ward off any dangers of exhaustion and helplessness. Taking the time to focus on your mental and physical well-being can not only help you stay resilient and preserve your strength within you, but also empower yourself to recover when times become difficult. Whether that involves meditating, exercising, or simply taking a little break to enjoy life, it is important that you prioritize time for yourself to make sure that you're fighting fit and ready for any challenge. At times, when all feels lost and nothing seems to be going your way, it is important to recognize that your current struggle is temporary and it will pass in time. It can be easy to feel overwhelmed or become discouraged when facing difficult circumstances. However, knowing that the situation is only a temporary one can give you the courage to push through. Reflection and introspection are vital when it comes to understanding how to face any challenge. Just remember that the thunderstorm eventually comes to an end and the sunshine will come after the thaw. 
The struggle we go through defines and shapes us, but it is only through keeping a positive mindset and focusing on our development of strength that we will be able to overcome any difficult situation. All of this considered, it is important to understand that even during a storm, the strength within will always be there, burning bright, and all you need is the courage to ignite it. Therefore, remember, the struggle you're in today is developing the strength you will need to face tomorrow. Okay, that's all I got for today. Join us next week for part 33 of Brotherhood. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quinn McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason Odega. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>